Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Syracuse is playing for the national title. It's too long, and Syracuse is your national champion. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Welcome back to the Believe in Syracuse podcast. It's the preview of the Virginia and Syracuse football game just ahead here. Michael Gross alongside Josh Crawford, Mike McAllister, and the wonderful Jackie Franchuli from Wahoos 247 Sports. Uh, down in Virginia. She covers the Virginia football team. Jackie, thank you so much for coming on and being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's an interesting week when you only have, what, four days to really get going for the team. So, but um, it's, uh, it's fun. And she's coming up to Central New York to see the game. I so am. It's so. uh, treat her well, Syracuse fans, because she's she might be covering the enemy, quote unquote, for this game. But she's, <laughs> she's a good one. She's a good one. So well, if you guys have any good uh, recommendations for places to eat for Friday for lunch, uh, hit up my uh, my my Twitter uh, at Jackie Fran underscore. Let me know uh, where to go eat. I got, I got one good place called Rise and Shine. No free ads, but they're, they got very good French <laughs> toast. Um, I was like, they're coming to go pay to hear me talk good about it. But, but yeah, Virginia coming in two and one on the season, Syracuse already three and oh. This Virginia team constructed fairly similar to last year, minus two pretty big key pieces that they lost that actually came to Syracuse and offensive coordinator Robert and I and quarterback coach Jason Beck. From what you've seen so far, Jackie, this this season, they're two and one. What about Virginia has been, you know, top notch to make them uh, maybe uh, some sort of threat in the ACC? Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline where the game starts. Well, actually, they, they're missing quite a few pieces because they missed their whole first team offensive line from last year. So that is the reason why they've been struggling offensively is because the, the current offensive line that's playing, none of them started last year, and only, I think, two had any game experience. They actually started a true freshman on the first game of the season, and he actually had some significant snaps in the second or third. So this O-line is slowly coming together. They've had a lot of injuries, actually only had eight healthy offensive linemen during spring practice that a lot of walk-ons come on and some of them had to play both teams during the spring game because they just didn't have enough bodies. So coming into the season, 
The starting five that we saw against Richmond only played together for five days. Um, it's rough. been, yeah, it's very, very rough. And actually the starting lineup that we saw against Old Dominion, that was the first time that starting lineup even played together because Jonathan Leach was hurt coming out of camp. He was actually wearing a cast on his arm. So it's been slow going with this offensive line. And you know, if on O-line to protect your quarterback, you're going to have problems. The other issue that happened, and you mentioned it, you know, Robert and I and Jason Beck are no longer at Virginia. So they had to adjust to a new scheme. Now on paper, they returned a lot of their best skill players. I mean, all of them are back. You know, Brennan Armstrong had a remarkable season last year, broke every single record and manageable for Virginia, broke another one last week. Then you had Dottavian Wicks, you have Keaton Thompson, Mr. Football. If you talk to Robert and I, he'll have glorious things to talk about Mr. Football trick bag. Then you have Lavelle Davis, who was back after last sitting out last year for Tor ACL. So minus Jelani Woods, who's now in the NFL, they've they had all the weapons on offense. The problem is that, and Tony Elliott kind of touched on this, when you look at when Robert and I's offense at Virginia. They passed the ball a lot, and it was more how he described as their freelance offense. And what he's saying now is what they're trying to do. It is more of an offense that is designed. Um, you have to go through your reads. You have to go through progressions, and it's you have to do through timing. Now, the problem is when you're going through that, you need time to throw. You need time for the play to actually develop. So that was a problem that they had against Illinois because they couldn't establish the run. So you couldn't – you couldn't – protect your quarterback that way because there's no time to run the ball. So you're going to have to pass the ball, but the O-line wasn't giving you time to pass the ball. So then you had Brendan Armstrong throwing the ball out of his back foot, staring receivers down into the eye. I mean, uh, I didn't, I didn't go to the Illinois game. So watch it on TV. And I was just like, he's staring right at Keaton Thompson. This is not Brendan Armstrong. This is not the quarterback that we're used to. So it's been a adjustment period for this offense. And a lot of the last, first few weeks, Tony Elliott and offensive coordinator this Kitchings have been kind of focusing on how can we let Brennan be Brennan, but at the same time script the offense and at the same time teach him how to be a game manager. Um, so it, it's a lot of moving pieces and it's slowly getting there. I don't know if all of those moving pieces are going to be in the right spot on Friday night, but they are moving in the right direction. But it's 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 been a little slower than I think a lot of UVA fans thought. I would definitely just be interested because, uh, you know, like you said, this is a – we look at these two quarterbacks and it's almost like we're seeing the mirror image of each other. You talk mm-hmm. about a guy, Brennan Armstrong, that had a really good season last year. He talks about all the records that he broke. He was – you know, you mentioned all the receiver core that UVA has, but he was the engine that made that offense go. You even look like a potential NFL guy. You know, in 2021, on the flip side for us, you know, Gary Strader, most, in, most inaccurate quarterback in the ACC, you know, we would have we loved – for him to look like Brennan Armstrong. So, you know, Mike said it, uh, Mike McAllister said it, you know, on Tuesday that if we get the 2021 version of these quarterbacks referring to Brennan Armstrong and Gary Strader, you know, UVA would definitely be up. And it's it's just almost shocking, and I asked some of the guys in my interviews, like, how similar Garrett and Brennan Armstrong are. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I can definitely see the similarities. Um, and I think what Strader is benefiting is from a – veteran strong offensive line and a, a a big group i think that is the difference between the both quarterbacks this season is because one is being protected and one of them is not um 
And then when you look at UVA, they've even helped them establishing a run game. It's actually been a running, I want to say running joke, but it's among the fans and beat writers. We're like, we're seeing Robert and I run the ball. I mean, that was not something we saw often in Virginia. Um, you know, that was often a joke saying like, it will be a rare day that Robert and I call a run play while he was at UVA and look what he's doing with Sean Tucker. Obviously you have to at Syracuse, but you know, that was the one thing that Brennan didn't have last year that Schrader does. So it does actually help an eye at Syracuse that because Syracuse I think was more two dimensional than Virginia ever was last year, because at the end of the day, you knew Virginia was going to pass last year um, or Brennan was going to try to run the ball here this year that's not 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 the case they're trying to balance it out so i can see schrader and brennan on paper be similar um the only thing i will say is that schrader game management is a little different so he threw away some ball against purdue so brennan the way his high school coach described him to me was he is a quarterback that plays with a safety mentality so he will lower his shoulders and tony elliott and the staff are trying to I say, hey, hey, protect your body, but he will load his shoulders and he will pound you. I mean, I remember a couple of one of the best blocks last season was Brendan Armstrong blocking for Keaton Thompson so Thompson could get an extra five yards. And even at the game against ODU this week, he had a fumble midfield right before the second, right before the end of halftime. And it was because he was trying to go for the extra yard rather than going out of bounds. And that's what Tony Elliott and his staff want to help Brennan with. So that's kind of the difference between them. I think, I think Schrader is is more advanced in the game management skills a little bit, but I think Brennan is more of a just because how he plays, he's he's more of a I, I don't know how to describe this, more of a violent quarterback. He will put his body on the line every single play. Um, he will block for a guy. He has no problems doing that. So I think that's where the different the personalities are, are different. Um, but on paper, I could see where the similarities are because I think just because Jason Beck and Robert and I have a hand in the offense, so that's why I think you can see similarities from last year to this year. It sounds like that that Brennan almost plays with the same attitude as like a Josh Allen. Is you watch Josh Allen at Buffalo, and he will pound through a, a defensive end if it means getting a couple extra yards. Yes. And I know that's something that Bills fans are always like, wait a minute, we need you. Don't you don't need three extra yards on this play. But when he's out there, it can't take that out of his game. That's part of that's his who makeup. He is. That's who he is. Yeah. And you and and that is what makes Brennan special. I will say that whenever you have give Brennan the ball, um I, I remember talking to his mom and his mom was always like, I'm nervous. My heart is coming out of my chest. But I know if my son has the ball, I know we still have a shot. And I think that's what UVA fans entirely believe. And you saw that against ODU when ODU went down and scored. Brennan still had the ball. And you're like, we have, you know, Virginia has one more shot if Brennan is feeling it in that moment. I think that's, that was the big difference that we didn't see against Illinois or even against Richmond. We didn't see that spark or confidence from Brennan. He was able to get that against ODU. So that's why I sometimes when I look at this matchup against Syracuse, I'm like, are they warming up just in time? So that is the something that we're, we're going to be watching on Friday. It's going to be interesting too, because that's, I think one of the biggest keys to this game is 
when you have a quarterback like Brennan Armstrong, even though he's he hasn't played to the same level so far this year, but we've seen him play to the level where he can take over a game and almost carry a team to victory. And like if you're, North Carolina last year. Exactly. And so if you're if you're Syracuse going to this matchup, I would understand why you'd feel confident or like you should be a favorite. You're at home and all of those things. That's what should make you nervous about this matchup is a guy like that even if he doesn't have the type of season overall that he did the year before in individual games in certain circumstances, he can sort of relive what he was the year before and relive some of that magic when you have a player that's, that's that talented. And especially in a matchup like this, where, you know, he's going to be overly amped because he's going against his former coaches. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those matchups tend to bring out some of that prior magic in and that's if, if I'm Syracuse, that's something I'm certainly concerned about. That's why it's going to be interesting to see how the Syracuse defense, Tony White approach, trying to pressure Brennan Armstrong. Yeah. yeah and and it, it's a very, sorry. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, that was the one thing about Virginia is mentally, where are they going to be? Because I think they're trying too hard. These players are trying to make the big play every play. Um, they're thinking too much when they have the athletic ability to not do that. That's what's been going on to Tavian Wicks and his drops. Who would have thought Wicks that we have a shirt around UVA grounds of him with that great catch last year, who was making impossible sports center top 10 catches was making drops where the ball just literally gets right here on his chest and he's still dropping the ball. So a lot of it is mental and just trying too hard on these execution plays. And you're like, if they turn it on, this is a whole different Virginia team. Well, Jackie, Mike mentioned before def the defense for Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Brennan Armstrong is one of the, the more talented quarterbacks that Syracuse is going to see this year. But I, I would say, I would argue that this defense that Virginia is going to see on Friday night is probably one of the more talented defenses they're going to see. Oh, yeah. That, that mob mentality, as they've called it, even – on that, on their own podcast, they have a podcast of uh, Kayla Okachuku, Marlo Wax, and Jihad Carter. They, they've That's created awesome. a podcast. They they brought it out today. They talked about their their mob mentality on defense. They never stopped believing last week after being down from Purdue. They really kind of buckle buckle down and bear down when, when they're in the trenches and and they just go at it. It's one of the scarier defenses that I think Virginia will have to go up against. It's tailgating season, and no one does it better than Hoffman Sausage Company. Beer Bratwurst, Jalapeno Cheddar Sausage, Kabasi, and Bun-Length Chicken Sausage. Add them to the menu with classic German Franks and Snappy Grillers, and fans will go wild. Proudly made in New York since 1879, when you bite into a Hoffman, you experience a little bit of upstate history. Taste tells, Hoffman is a proud partner of Syracuse University Athletics. Actually, I asked Tony Elliott about Syracuse defense because I know they're so deceptive and creative on their blitzes. So Tony Elliott, when I asked that question, he just the, the, his reaction was priceless. He just shook his head and just started laughing. He was like, yeah. <laughs> so he knows. He actually was joking that he's like, I don't even know how we're going to practice for all these different fronts, honestly. So that was one of those quotes. But he understands. And one of the things that he was trying to say is for this Virginia team, they have to play cleanly. They've been having so many problems turning over the ball. So the exact opposite of the Syracuse offense is doing, I believe they're one of four FBS teams now for turnover yet. Um, that's the opposite of, of, of opposite of UVA that turnover ball three times against LDU twice inside the 10 yard line. Um, 
So, and what he's saying is if they get behind the, the chains at all against Syracuse, that's just a recipe for disaster. Um, he actually had another great quote about how for this game, the running backs have to treat running the ball like if you're in a NASCAR race, you just experienced facts, you're just going to go through the smoke and pray that eventually you're just going to come out on the other side. And you're just going to keep, so that, that, that's the, Tony Elliott was great this week um, talking about the Syracuse defense. He has a lot of respect. Obviously he has to respect Syracuse. He's had a couple rough games against Syracuse as Clemson's offensive coordinators. Syracuse had uh, some, played some spoilers for him. So he knows what it's like to play at Syracuse. And he has a lot of respect for this defense. And that is one of the reasons why I'm not as confident when I look at this matchup with Virginia's offense. I think they're improving every week, but I think what Syracuse has done that's so smart is because of the way they recruit and the way they have to with a program like Syracuse is you're going to get the tweeners. You're going to get these defensive linemen and defensive ends are a little small on the smaller side. So what you want to do is you want to use their speed as your asset. And that's what they did. Um, I think Virginia does have some guys with speed. If defensive back Antonio Clary is healthy, which is what we're hearing. He said he's day to day. Um, I We've been hearing that he's going to play. It looks very likely. So he's one of their fastest DBs in the secondary. Um but when you compare him to what Syracuse has on their defense, you're like, he's quick. But Syracuse is quick everywhere. So I don't know if they have this. I don't know if they have anyone to match up. That's where my whole long-winded point is. When UVA's offense is facing UVA's defense, I don't think they have the level of speed that Syracuse has up front. Um, so I don't know if they've been able to replicate that. So that's that's where I'm thinking this O-line who's had issues with penalties and discipline or missing their blocks, can they play almost perfect against Syracuse or at least do enough so that these running backs can go and get enough yards? And I think when you look at their running backs, you're going to see possibly freshman Xavier Brown get a couple of handoffs. He did great against ODU. He's probably one of the running backs that, he doesn't need a hole to get any yardage against uh, ODU. There was one particular play that he moved so much in such a small amount of space to get three yards, three good yards um, to move the chains a bit. So I think you're going to see UVA really trying to establish their run game just to calm things down for Brennan. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. I, it's the reason why I'm not confident in this game for Virginia. Josh, you mentioned, uh, she mentioned, the speed of the of the defense for Syracuse, one of them particularly being Deuce Chestnut. You wrote about in your article, Dontavian Wicks and the Deuce Chestnut matchup, right? There were questions about the secondary last week. They gave up over 400 passing yards. Granted, it was to Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones and, and that Purdue <laughs> offense, but they gave that that's a lot of passing yards to give up in one game. There were plenty of questions uh, that came out about them post-game, but how confident are you in the defensive backs and even just the defense in general going up against, you know, Brendan Armstrong, Octavian Wicks and this Virginia offense? I mean, I wrote it in my article and it's going to be true. Like I said, even with the matchup against Aiden O'Connell, this will be the most complete set of receivers that this Syracuse team will face this side of the New York six bowl. Keaton Thompson, you know, a guy that I have some, you know, some uh, dealings with coming from New Orleans and being in PV He's a ballad hood guy, very celebrated guy out of Louisiana. 
you know, he was somebody that is alleged at Mississippi State and transferred to a Debo Samuel type role. And he's always he's dangerous with the ball in his hands, regardless of what position he's playing. Uh, Dante Dan Wicks, again, another Louisiana guy, very ample and fertile recruiting grounds. You know, he was on the Maxwell preseason award list as a receiver. And as I love to say, you know, it's hard to be that consistently good a receiver because receivers cannot get their own work. Um, and Lavelle Henry, you know, unproven guy a little bit, had a breakout, has had a breakout of a source this year with uh, over 20 yards taken on the team. But, you know, you can't teach hype. And he's already 6'7". So that's somebody that, you know, you drop him in in the red zone and that's instantly a mismatch problem. So, um, you know, both Mike's know that, you know, Garrett is somebody we see as, you know, a first, second, third round in a corner and deuce, you know, at a breakout year. And, um, he's been vocal about it. You know, I love the guy, but he's not shy to let you know that he thinks he's a lockdown corner next to Gary. So, you know, this will be the week, and I, that's why I wrote about it. He will have to prove that more than anything else. You know, like I said, uh, Keaton Thompson, Lavelle Henry, you know, that's just both of those guys at 6'5 and 6'7. I think that's just too big of a matchup and high discrepancy for Deuce to consistently cover them. But Dontavian Weeks, Dontavian Weeks, as, a, as you mentioned, like, He's been struggling with some drop, but he is a guy that has the ability to, you know, break open this SU defense by himself and looks like he could be the, the third most talented guy on this the UVA receiving core. So you don't usually have a, a third guy in your receiving room that can go for a thousand yards and, and that equates to about 150 in a, a tutty in a game and they had that game breaking ability. So it'll, it'll be incumbent upon Deuce to really limit that because, you know, Brendan Armstrong with the struggles that he's had this season, they have a lot of different guys that he can spread the sugar to, and that can to make again they make things happen for for uh, UVA. That's yes. why line play in this game to me is is so critical because as Jackie outlined, the struggles of Virginia's offensive line and Syracuse's defensive line might be its weakest unit on defense, but they played pretty well so far in the first three games. But Syracuse's ability to get to Brennan Armstrong to not allow him to sit back there and pick apart the defense or kind of pick which receiver he's going to go to take advantage of whichever matchup he likes with the size of those Virginia receivers and all of that. And, and the weapons that they can be, I think line play, even though it's not the sexiest, it's not the thing that people want to talk hey, about. Hey man. Hey man. Calm down. <laughs> it is sexy, sexy what we do. Line okay. play is sexy, right? So um, even though it's not going to get the most, it's not going to get the most discussion going into the game, right? The big national headlines are going to be Brandon Armstrong against his former coaches and the talented Syracuse secondary against these talented Virginia receivers. And those things are going to get the, 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 the hype line play is going to be to me, what determines uh, the, the winner in this one. I think also um, one thing to know is that one of their other most consistent wide receivers is uh, going to be out for the game, which is wide receiver, Billy Kemp. Um, they usually use him in, in the slot and they use him for those quick passes. And that's what they use Keaton Thompson a lot during against ODU, those jet sweeps, using him in motion. And that's what they're going to use with him again. And also, if you look at how they set up their offense against ODU, they were 12 personnel sometimes, sometimes with two tight ends, sometimes one tight end with one back with 11 personnel. And when you see that, they were doing that because they wanted to help their O-line. They wanted to make sure their guys had more time. And that was really smart by Des Kitchings. And the way they were also doing that is also throwing and doing short pitches to their running backs too. That's where for Xavier Brown, for Mike Collins, for Paris Jones, Ronnie Walker, if he's healthy enough, Cody Brown, the University of Miami transfer. So that's something that they're trying to do to kind of cover up the, the weaknesses of the O-line. That's something that they didn't do against Illinois, which got you know a lot of criticism uh, towards the staff for their play calling. And that's what they adjusted. Um, and I think the one thing is that Lavelle Davis is one that has been working back to 
fitness. He tore his ACL last year. So that's why he didn't practice. So he was, he was probably the best wide receiver on this team in 2020 um, as a freshman breakout. And then he had his injury and then now he's starting to get back and getting used to it. And um, when, one thing that he is pretty consistent with is his protection. So he's, he's done a good job in that regard. And again, with him being so tall, he's going to be a mismatch nightmare. Um, they don't have Jelani Woods, sadly, coming back from uh, that six foot seven monster. So Grant Mish isn't that type of tight end. So although the, he's going to be incorporated in the passing game because Billy Camp is not available. So expect some Grant Mish passes, but you're going to see Keaton Thompson a lot. I think I saw that he had maybe like 70% of the snap, like 70% snaps from the of offensive plays on pro football focus. I, he's playing a lot. Um, that is the one thing that also is to the judgment of Virginia right now is on offense. A lot of these guys are playing a lot of reps, um, especially a wide receiver. There's a, there's a kind of a drop-off between the first group and then to the next group. Um, I think Demick Starlings is going to be one to watch out and possibly come in, especially on kickoff return, um, especially with Billy Camp's not there, but that is the, that is the thing. Can these guys last for four quarters for Virginia? There's I think the thing with Virginia is we haven't seen enough in three games because the first game was kind of vanilla, both sides of the ball. Then for Illinois, we didn't see any offense. They only averaged 1.6 yards per carry. Um, I mean, they had nine yards of offense, I think, that first quarter. And then the third game, OGU, you're like, okay, we see progress. You amassed 500 yards of total offense, but you only managed 16 points and one touchdown, and Brennan hasn't thrown a touchdown since the Richmond game. So many questions for UVA on that side of the ball. So Jackie, you said, you know, it's been hard for them to play a full four quarters. I think what, what they really need to do is they really need to set the tone in the first quarter. How is it? Yes. How can they set the tone against this Syracuse team with hopefully for everybody's sakes, the loud house is loud. It'll be a great atmosphere. All of, all of, you know, the college football fans in the country will be tuning in on Friday night. How can they set the tone on the road in the Loud House in just that first quarter? Actually, in practice, they've been playing all the stuff in their practice. I heard the train go off when I was walking to practice to get interviews today. I was like, where's the train? And I was like, oh, of course. But um, yeah, they've been, I think the first thing you think of is play aggressive and play call aggressive. So what Tony Elliott said in his press conference post game against ODU is that he quickly learned that he needs to be very aggressive in his play call with this team. So in the first game against Richmond, he kind of didn't call timeout before the end of the half. And then he said he regretted it because it seemed like the team and the offense didn't play well to start the second half. So he learned from it. So what he did against ODU was he made sure his team had enough time on the clock to get back the first from the before the end of the first half. So he's play calling and using his timeouts more aggressively so his team can get the ball back. Um, and he also said, hey, you know what? If we win the coin, I want the ball. I want our offense first on the field. So I think if you're UVA, I think you have to have that mentality again. I think you need to start quick. I think you need to start, you know, aggressive. Um, what they did in against ODU is they wanted to get into a rhythm. So they started off with two deep throws to Dontavian Wicks. One was a drop, one was an incomplete, but they still stayed on the field with a couple of good runs by Mike Collins. But they they you just need to come out in a way where you need to get Brennan confident. You need to get Brennan Armstrong think like getting him in the rhythm. That's the key thing with Brennan Armstrong. If he gets in the rhythm, 
UVA has a legit shot of winning this game. So Mike, how do they, oh, sorry, Josh, or Josh or Mike, I was going to ask, how do they, how does Syracuse defense get him out of a potential rhythm if they see something, see something coming or how do they prevent him from getting in a rhythm? Uh, I mean, the same thing that uh, Mike Calvert said, it, you know, talking about this D line, and you know, it's, it's it's been a common narrative that th- this is an unproven D line, and even Caleb addressed it has addressed it multiple times. Seemed like he's sick of it, honestly, and I, I would be too. But it's it's a thing that you know, coming into the season, he was a guy that was the really the only proven guy, and he's had his own you know very severe adversity, you know, even stepping away from the football field. So you know. Brendan Armstrong, for all the accolades, he like he's a great player. You know, I'm not loving the the buzzword Josh Allen comparison for you know physical quarterbacks because you know Josh Allen six five two thirty five, Brendan Armstrong six two probably two ten on a good day. So you know, it's a thing with Garrett Schrader that you know seventeen carries last game. I would I would like to lower that number because he he's a guy similar to Brendan that doesn't like to slide and talking about getting off to a fast start. There's no, there's no worse way to get off. There's, there's no slower start than your quarterback limping off the field in the, in the first okay. quarter, whether he's hurt for real or it's just he's a, it's an owie, as Coach Babers like to say. So that's a thing that, you know, with both quarterbacks, I talked about the similarities that we saw. We've seen Strider a couple times this season, you know, stay on the field a little bit longer. And, you know, there's, as a player and as an observer, there's a cognitive difference in the offense that first two series after, you're, you know, your leader goes down. So, you know, Talking about y'all getting off to a good start, I definitely think, Jackie, that, you know, talking about that offensive line that you've been very hesitant about and, you know, Brendan's play, keeping him upright, making sure he stays upright with his style of play, that will go a long way for y'all. Keeping yes. him upright is is 100% accurate on that one. It's yeah. it, it's very simplistic. It's a very – but sometimes the simple answer is the correct answer. The way to combat a quarterback in rhythm is to not is to pressure him, get him on the ground before he can get comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's get someone in his face immediately. So if you're Syracuse and you start noticing that early in the game, if you're going to try to test that Virginia offensive line with just a three man pass rush and it's not working, you need to start getting creative and bringing some of those creative blitz packages that Jackie talked about earlier that that Virginia is trying to to prepare for. And, you know, maybe throw in a wrinkle of something you haven't shown so far this season. Maybe that means a corner blitz. Maybe that means that bringing a safety up. Whatever the case is, you can't let him get comfortable back there because if he does get comfortable, he's the type of player that can take over a game. Yes. Yeah. And that's the one thing he hasn't had yet, whereas he hasn't been 100% comfortable for the entire game. I think ODU, we've seen him... I think ODU is the best performance for Brendan Armstrong. I think a lot of his passes, although it won't show in the stat sheet, was actually accurate. Some of the plays, you know, he can't control wide receivers not getting separation or dropping a pass. Um, you know, that that can't be all in Brennan. So I think Brennan did a lot better. Uh, I think a lot of his throws were actually accurate. And there was a couple of throws where I'm like, Dontavian, if you just take a step forward, that you're in bounds, man. Um, so there, I think, Everyone just needs to work on their timing and communication. And that was, that's big difference for Virginia. It's, I, it's, it's funny to me looking in on this game where, you know, I obviously I manage a message board and they're like, you know, we were just a couple of executed plays, you know, dominating ODU. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't find the end zone. That is remarkable to me that, a team that averaged so many points last year just can't find the end zone. And I think once that starts clicking, it's going to 
is just going to keep falling. I think, I think once Brendan Armstrong gets in his mind that he can trust his OL because he didn't, you couldn't trust his OL against Illinois. If you watch back that film against Illinois, you're, you're going to see that that was a quarterback that was frustrated, lacked confidence and, and, and lacked confidence in the guys in front of him. And he just, you know, he was missing wide open wide receivers at that point. Um, if, if Syracuse has not come out aggressive right off the top, Virginia could win this. And I, I, I would, I would think Virginia would uh, play pretty consistent for fourth quarter. Cause I think their defense is good enough to beat Syracuse. My, my thing is, can this offense play for four quarters and execute uh, inside the red zone and keep stay on the field, but also score that those are things that for me, I haven't seen yet. So that's why I'm a question mark, but I think this Syracuse, I think this Virginia defense can beat the Syracuse offense. You know, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about this defense, especially specifically the D line that, you know, that might disrespect my livelihood and the reason I paid for my education, but I'm going to let it slide. Um, you know, fun fact, a guy like Chico Bennett, I actually uh, played against him in the, the Tennessee State Championship Finals, took his state ring, whatever. He took my Georgia Tech off. I think he ended up better into that deal. But, um, you know, that's like we talked about a good start, a good D line, getting pressure on Gary Schrader. He has struggled with a shaky pocket. He, he is a guy that, you know, will quote unquote see ghosts and pull the ball down with an unclean pocket. So, you know, with a guy like Nick Jackson that y'all has, you know, team leader, ACC top tackler, you know, a good D-line makes his job that much easier. So uh, what guys like Chico or any other guys that, you know, we may or may not know have emerged as, you know, the big, you know, pass or spread for y'all? So the way Coach Rudd's defense is lined up is he actually has five guys in the secondary. Um, so it's a little different. So he has three safeties, um, two corners. Um, and the guys in the front, there's a, a position called bandit. So that is Cam Butler. He's the bandit right now. And then sometimes, you know, Chico Bennett. And then you also have um, Deshaun Perry. He's new. Uh, I don't think, I think Syracuse might have recruited him. I'm not sure. I know he could, was recruited by a couple ACC. Um, a little bit they teams. did. Yeah. They did, right? I, I thought I remembered him. Um, so he was originally at linebacker, but last week, because Jack Camper, the Michigan state transfer, uh, was nursing an injury, he moved to bandit and actually he did a really good job. He, uh, had a couple of good tackles against ODU and he's a little, he's a little smaller, kind of like what I was saying, but you need those guys are a little smaller, a little bit more athletic and speedy. He's also going to be a factor at that bandit position. Um, on the front, Aaron Famui is a defensive tackle and he uh, recorded a sack against ODU. He's gotten better a lot this past season. And you got Ben Smiley, who's a very versatile guy on the defensive line. Although he plays inside mostly, he can also go outside if they absolutely need him to. Now, what I like about this, this defense compared to last year, because if you watched the defense last year for Virginia, what you would have noticed is that certain guys were playing in, I don't want to say out of position, but it was not their natural position. Also, the defense was way too complicated where these guys had to think through what they're doing next. Rather than be like that as a football player, always they right? think, play first, think afterwards, always. Exactly. And it seemed like these guys were thinking. So if you think 
And then you look, oh God, my guy's right beside me. I have to do it and you miss tackle because you're out of position. So you can't tackle properly um, or you're doing mistakes. And then you're doing mistake. And I felt bad for the secondary last year because I felt like they got criticized, overly criticized. I know there's some plays where like, you should have covered better, but sometimes I felt, well, like they're, they're getting beat because the guy in front of them was getting beat or they missed their gap or they missed their assignment. So the secondary got criticized more than they should have. You know, you can look at Joey Blunt. He's now in the NFL and proving out that he does actually know how to play football, not, you know, looking through the stats last year for the, for the secondary. I had a, I had a lot of uh, Ted talks when it came to the secondary last year. Um, so I think this defense is simplified for, for this team. Um, what they did is what I really like what Coach Rudd did was he piled on on the defense during the fall, false camp and spring and said, what do we do best? Let's remove all the other stuff that we didn't do well, and let's focus on what we did best. Um, and like I said earlier, Antonio Clary should be back. Um, and he's probably one of my favorite safeties on the team. I think Lex Long and Jonas Sanker are two good, solid, young safeties. Great future for Virginia. If you're looking at these sophomores, you're thinking, oh, we're secondary is in good hands. Sure, tacklers has a good nose for the ball. Um, they, they know um, how to read the offense well. What I like about Antonio Clary and what he missed the last game and what Virginia missed, especially in the first two drives for ODU where they were able to run the ball, he's the communicator between the secondary and the linebackers. He looks forward and say, shares the linebackers like, hey, go over there, mind your gap that way. Or he, he visualizes the field. He's a really good communicator. And that's what was missed against ODU. And that's why when you look at the rush stats for ODU in that first quarter, they were a little bit more than you would want when you want against ODU. So he's going to be back. So I think when you look at that, I, I think that's why I'm thinking, okay, yes, Syracuse has put up some good numbers when Schrader as well. Um, but I, I really like Virginia's secondary. Um, they also come up front and can blitz. Jonas Sanker got a, got a very nice blitz in um, during the last game. And, uh, I think it was, I think Lex Long got a sack two games ago. I'm trying to think all of it gets a little blurry, but, um, yeah, they, they're very, very talented. And I think their pass rush is coming along. They didn't have a pass rush against Richmond, but again, they played a vanilla defense against Illinois. They actually did a pretty decent job. I mean, if you would have told me they forced two turnovers and two, three and outs for the first four, a defensive series what would you think Virginia will be winning right that that's what you would think so this is where that level of the defense is they're really they they do enough for you to win but then they might have a couple of lapses here and there um where they're not consistent enough but at the same time you're like with an offense that's not performing as well as they should they're just on the field too much at the end of the day if you're on the field too much as a defense you're gonna let a few slip here and there because you're tired if you're always on the field um, so yeah, I, I think when I look at this matchup, I think the Virginia defense lines up pretty well with Syracuse. The only thing that I'm worried about is, um, and his name is Casey right now, um, is the hybrid wide receiver tight end for Syracuse. The one who got the winning touchdown. Yes. I think that's some, that's the, that's the matchup that I'm concerned about because Virginia, if you look at tape, they haven't done well against a tight end. 
Um, granted, if ODU, uh, Zach Koontz is a six foot seven monster and it's everyone, anyone could the mismatch with him. Um, but I think that is the matchup that I'm worried about with them. Now, if Antonio Clary is back, I'm a little bit less concerned. Um, but because of Josh Ahern, he's not the strongest in coverage. I think with the additional safety in the back, it helps him with that because he's a little stronger against the run. But in coverage, if you attack Josh Ahern, that is that is a problem for Virginia. Well, we're all eager to see what's going to happen on Friday night. But I think it's time to make some predictions, Jackie. Uh, we can we can time start. Yeah, yeah, we can start with you. Um, you, you talk about the matchup between the the defense on the Virginia side and the offense on Syracuse side Syracuse probably has a little bit of a leg up on the defensive end uh but maybe on the defensive end of Virginia they may have a lack uh, uh you know a leg up on the offense of Syracuse what's your prediction for this game and how do you think it's going to end I predict Robert and I will have the quarterback of uh, Schrader toss the ball to an offensive lineman in a game if you got have you guys watched virginia's game last year against virginia tech i I know i know what you're referring to yes that that is that is my prediction robert and i will be inside the 20 and syracuse will need a touchdown to win it and he'll have a script play for an offensive lineman to catch a ball and because the universe wants my message boards to melt down they will catch the ball and the line will go into the end zone wow so last that's week, how the works. yeah. So I thought um, I was speechless last week after that bonkers fourth quarter with Syracuse <laughs> Purdue. If an offensive no, no. lineman catching a touchdown to win the game would leave me more speechless. We love me. big no. man touchdowns. We love. No, I man. actually, I actually wanted to see if Vegas had that option, throw it to an offensive lineman for a touchdown. Um, because Over of Robert and I. Five <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count that out, or just, or something. Robert and I, I just picture Robert and I in his, in his uh, dark room in his basement where he comes up with a place, and just maniacally thinking of how I can do something at the Virginia game. He, uh, that's how what I think of Robert and I is doing right now. But I do think, um, seriously, I think Syracuse is going to win this game. Um, I will be brutally honest. Before this season started, I had Virginia winning. I had Virginia winning really, really I had a Virginia winning really close. Um, I thought that it was I honestly still thought it was gonna be a close matchup. I thought the matchup was pretty good. I thought they were evenly matched. If this game was maybe in two, three weeks, I would pick Virginia because I think they need a little bit more time on offense to get things going. Um so I, I I'm gonna have I'm gonna pick Syracuse and I'm gonna pick Syracuse by 10. This is the the part of the of the if it was a movie where it would pan to a storm with lightning going off in the background. And then Robert and I in like his basement lab with a mad scientist trench coat on laughing maniacally as he's preparing plays. Right. That's, that's the part of the movie where where we're at right now. Um, I, I agree with Jackie. I think that, um, you know, Virginia is going to look much better as the season goes along, adjusting to a new coaching staff, a new system. All of that is never an easy thing for teams to do. And some teams, it takes longer to get there than others. And I think Virginia will get there. And so by the time they're in the back half of their schedule, I think it's a team that's going to be much more difficult for teams to, to face than it is right now, as they're still kind of going through some of those growing mm-hmm. pains. Syracuse is a veteran group with a lot of experience and defensively 
there's no coaching over there's no coaching uh change there where they have had some offensively but even still, they've got a veteran offensive line. And I think the difference is Syracuse is going to be able to stop Virginia more than Virginia is going to be able to stop Syracuse. And uh, that's why I like Syracuse somewhere in the seven to 10 point range, somewhere in that area. Josh, we'll hear from you, but something that you and I had talked about extensively this week and something that I think I'm going to possibly write about uh, tonight or tomorrow is the fact that this could be a trap game. I mean, I know you mentioned it earlier, but this could easily be a trap game for Syracuse. What's your take on that? And do you think if it is a trap game, you know, do you think Syracuse can be able to get out of it before they're, you know, six feet under in the third quarter? I mean, you know, I'll pivot. I am athlete, you know, all these, I love to see all these athletes starting podcasts and, you know, a common refrain on there is, you know, Oh, football players don't take plays off or don't take games off. We treat every game the same. That's a lie. As a football player, that's a lie. You know, no way that I can knock on Kel's room right now and be like, hey, man, are you as pumped up for the Wagner game as to face Malik Cunningham? Like, we're, we're just, just be realistic. But going into this little low of the season, you have, you know, you just came off a, a good, really good Purdue when you're riding high. UVA, you know, ESPN said you have 84% chance, high probability of winning. You know, that seems a little high for another P5 opponent, but, you know, you're expected to win this game. You know, you're talking about Wagner. Then you're talking about a bye week. So this SU team is set up for this particular game and the straight afterwards to really not be operating at all cylinders all the time. You know, and we're talking about – we're talking about UVA and, you know, uh, Robert and I being a mad scientist and Josh Beck being the great wonder boy that turns Gary Shredder into a Heisman candidate. But, again, we were saying the same things about Brennan Armstrong literally 12 months ago. And like, like Jackie said, three weeks ago, this would have been a pick game, and I believe that to be true. So, you know, Brennan Armstrong is not a bad quarterback. I don't think that – I think that that's kind of been lost in the sauce a little bit. He hasn't played like a good quarterback. But with guys that talented – it doesn't go anywhere. It just needs the, the right set of circumstances needs to unlock them. So y'all know I like to the cross company lines and go against what needs to be said. But, uh, you know, like you said, Mike, big Mike, this is a veteran leader group. And I think that veteran leader groups find ways to win when they're not operating on four cylinders like last week. So give me cues by field goal, but I will take the over on Dontavian with receiving yards. So the okay. bring on Bama talk continues for another week. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I mean, there's there's every opportunity for Syracuse to start 4-0 and then start 5-0 if they do end up winning this week, uh, because I think we can all scratch off Wagner as an automatic win. Um, and if they do Wait, start can 5 you? Can you? Uh, you know, to, but they should. This year, this Syracuse <laughs> this team, year. yes. Past Syracuse teams, no. <laughs> this year, you can. I don't then, know. I almost saw UVA lose to ODU, so I never count. Very um, true. You, you never say never in sports. That's exactly. true. But, that but, but ODU, true. Did, didn't ODU take down Virginia Tech? Yes, they did. In, in week one. Yeah. So yeah. at least they, they have did. they have a little bit of a resume there. Wagner, I guess you could call it the battle of the Empire State between Wagner and Syracuse, who's, who's better in the state of New York. Either way, um, I think from the same thing that Josh said, I think it's going to be under a touchdown uh, between the margins at the end of the game. But Syracuse, it's going to be a lot closer then a lot of Syracuse fans are going to want it. Um, and that's going to give maybe Virginia some hope. Uh, but I just, I just don't see them winning this game either. Um, Jackie, any, any last comments before uh, we close up shop here? No, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a, I think it's going to be a fun game. I honestly think this is going to be close and 
all the way to the th- third quarter. I think the fourth quarter is going to honestly, the way Virginia plays, they usually have one quarter off. They haven't played for even with Robert and I and Jason Beck, when they were here in Charlottesville, they always have one quarter off. Um, but I think, uh, I think there's going to be some drama. So be prepared. Both sides. <laughs> last, yeah. Last year we saw Syracuse taking the second quarter off. They got outscored in that quarter, uh, all year long this year, they've been the dominant team, uh, throughout all four quarters. So maybe if Virginia plays all four quarters, we'll really have a shootout kind of like we did last week against Purdue. Um, once again, big thank you to Jackie. Oh my goodness. Franchuli. I, 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 I had it, I had it and it's, 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 it's difficult sometimes. All right, Jackie. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> Jackie, thank you very much for coming on once again um, from Wahoo's 247. Uh, go check, go check her out um, and read up on some of the articles, follow along and, and comment where you think Jackie should eat uh, yes. on Friday before the game. Uh, once again, oh, 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 <laughs> great pizza uh, for Josh Crawford, uh, a lover of pizza and Mike McAllister and Michael Gross saying thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see what happens on Friday and be right back here with a recap next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.